Support for Cover Story comes from Billiards on Broadway in downtown Columbia, Missouri. Family-friendly and locally owned and managed, Billiards on Broadway features fresh-cut fries and 12 Missouri craft beers on tap. Billiards on Broadway in downtown Columbia. This is Cover Story with Stephanie Shanikan. It's a podcast where we take apart the song covers we love and take a deep dive into the stories behind those songs. I'm Stephanie Shanikan. I'm interested in uncovering the personal stories about how we connect with these great songs and what these songs mean to our lives. Ultimately, I'm asking my guests to choose a version of the song they prefer, and they have to defend their choice. Janis Joplin's Peace of My Heart remains one of the most iconic songs of the 1960s. Released in 1968, it reached number 12 on Billboard's Hot 100, thanks in part to Joplin's impassioned and unique vocal delivery. At the time, Billboard called it Dynamite. It's remembered as one of her most popular songs. And yet, it wasn't hers at all. It was written by Jerry Ragavoy and Burt Burns, but before Janis Joplin released it, a year earlier, Irma Franklin, the older sister of Aretha Franklin, released her version. It didn't do nearly as well as Janis Joplin's. It peaked at number 62 on Billboard's pop singles chart. So which one's the better version? Today on Cover Story, my guest Thomas Kane and I will decide which version is dear to our hearts. You can say music is in Thomas Kane's blood. His father was one half of the country music duo The O'Kanes, and as a kid during summer break, he'd tag along as his dad toured with the likes of Willie Nelson and Emmy Lou Harris. So, absolutely. Thomas Kane knows his music. And when he suggested the idea for this episode, I couldn't wait to get him in the studio. As someone who teaches a class on soul music, I wanted to talk to Thomas Kane about this song, which I have taught for years. I really enjoyed talking to Thomas about the two versions, and I really hope that you get as much out of the conversation as I did. So here's our show. Thomas, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I found it very interesting that when we started talking about the concept for this show, you immediately went to one particular song, and the song is Peace of My Heart. And I have to admit that I have spent years listening to Janis Joplin's version Mm -hmm. and probably knew of the Irma Franklin version, but not, not very well. So I'd be interested, given your background, 
why you gravitate to one or the other or both. So we'll we will reveal that as as we go along. Yeah, well, I don't want to don't want to spoil it by saying That's which okay. one I gravitate okay. <laughs> toward first. Um, I mean, I think part of it was you know I'd heard the Janis Joplin song growing up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a gazillion times. Um, it's, you know, one of the most I don't know famous songs to come out of that era, and until sort of the Wire season five had no idea that the Irma Franklin version even existed. Um, And, you know, honestly probably assumed that that was a cover of the Janis Joplin version, you know, naively. And then went back and did the homework and and I was just sort of realized that more people need to hear this Irma Mm -hmm. Franklin version. And Mm -hmm. so I, um, I started doing the two as a lesson in a class I teach here where I would make the students, not make, I would ask the students um, to listen to both versions and, and we would use it just as a project for um, thinking about where an essay comes from, sort of listening to the two songs and, and doing sort of round after round after round of observation to, to tease out just if we were going to ask to write an essay about these two, sort of mm-hmm. what, would we, what would we look at? That's amazing, Thomas. I've never thought about doing that kind of looking at the different approaches, mm-hmm. the aesthetics, the structure. Yeah. I could definitely see how that exercise could help folks think about writing and creating and so on. Because these two songs are very different. I mean, it's the same song, but the outcome Absolutely. is quite different. Okay, so let's lay out the groundwork. So this song was released by Irma Franklin. And, and so Irma Franklin is four years older than Aretha Franklin, and she has a short career and does most of her work as a backup to Aretha Franklin. So for those of you who know and love Aretha Franklin's song, Respect, um, those background vocals are Irma Franklin and and others, but Irma is definitely there. This song was written by Burt Burns, and Irma released it in 1967 on the Shout Records label. And then the year later, Janis Joplin and... Big Brother and The Holding Company released it in 1968 on their album Cheap Thrills, which is a classic album at this point. Um, And of course, the song blows up. So let's start with why we think Irma's version did not do as well as Janice's version. What did Janice Joplin do to Peace of My Heart that Irma did differently? I mean, the easy answer is she electrified it, right? Like, this, I mean, from the beginning. I mean, why why not start with the, right. the sort of the most obvious and and perhaps the most important, like mm-hmm. just those like the first guitar riff, sort of that opens it up, is so different from the kind of like the somber piano that starts the Irma Franklin version. And there's a draw, there's a mystique, there's like a mystery to that kind of like boozy barroom sort of intro to the song. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, market has to factor into it. Mm-hmm. One would imagine as well, just sort of market forces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who is listening to what at the time. Like I saw Irma Franklin was on the billboard and like it topped out in the 60s and sort of it was a top 10 billboard soul hit, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, speaks to also sort of racing the United States in sort of the late Mm -hmm. 1960s. Mm -hmm. And we know the late 1960s is just um, a very fractured time in terms of race. So um, 67, we have this black artist, Irma Franklin, and then 68, we have the white artist. So... It is difficult to move away from that conversation about the two versions without thinking about market. And the focus on market leads us to a focus on race, right? Yes. Um, and of course, this is also the time of the British invasion. So that's coming up. And um, that electric sound that we hear at the beginning of Janice's version just brings it out of the soul realm. Right. Yeah. 
I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about their vocal styles. Mm-hmm. How would you characterize Irma's versus Janice's? I mean, I like you know, I don't have a technical vocabulary for this necessarily. Um, there's a control that Irma Franklin has, which is something that I I really like about her version of the song. Like there there seems to be some kind of limiter or suppression mm-hmm. plate sort of mm-hmm. on on where she'll go range wise mm-hmm. that, that I think really does neat things for for the emotion of the song. You know, Janis Joplin is, you know, it's just totally loose. I think, you know, stylistically, that probably makes sense that, mm-hmm. you know, the one that begins with this sort of measured piano intro is the one that, that has a sort of tighter range mm-hmm. vocally, which isn't to say that there's no range to Irma Franklin's version, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, like, it's all it's all relative, right? Yeah. Because I think Irma Franklin is bringing a gospel feel mm-hmm. to it. You know, there's some things that she does on her stylings that come straight from the black church, um, which we understand her dad was very well-known preacher you know so it is relative so when you put it side by side with Janis Joplin's it does feel more controlled but also I wonder if Detroit and Motown which she wasn't signed to to Motown but that whole what Motown was doing and what Barry Gordy was doing was trying to find a bigger audience trying to create music that just stayed on the edge of blackness where white audience would still buy it. And I wonder whether, I imagine that Irma would have been there too, you know, thinking about, okay, how will I sing this that more people will buy it than the black audience? Yes, yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're, that concern doesn't come up for Janis Joplin at all. No, sort of, not She's at all. just asked to freewheel and, <laughs> and, you know, it'll sell. Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's talk about Janice's voice. Uh-huh. Talk to me. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> I, I'm sacrilege. Um, I mean, it's got like a creak to it that mm-hmm. I, I really a sort creak. of. A creak. I yeah. love that. Um, yes. I, like it's really, um, I mean, and it's extremely expressive, but in a way that I think is really tough to pin down. Like, like and it's something, and you know, I think I had asked you sort of like, what is the plot to this song? Like the plot really sort of, it, it mystifies me a little bit. And Janis Joplin seems sort of, if you think about this as having some kind of narrative, mm-hmm. she has absolutely no narrative allegiance sort of in her, <laughs> in her, in her vocal styling. It is sort of, um, w- which adds sort of its own kind of nuance. It's just, I guess it's, it's harder for me to explicate what that nuance is mm-hmm. sort of because um, the minute you think you have some kind of emotional tone, she immediately pivots and, and gives you something and, and sort of, you know, she th- sings sad things rough and rough right. things sad and right. it's um yeah it's i mean it's totally unpredictable mm-hmm. but you know it's also iconic and, mm, and for sure yeah yeah and i guess the artists we gravitate to 
well, most people will, will gravitate to artists that stand out, mm -hmm. artists that you hear them and you know it's them. Um, I was talking to someone um, over the weekend about Amy Winehouse and how she also had that quality that Janis Joplin had, right, where her voice just could, she could pivot, yeah. you know, um, and there was a gravelly, I, I liked the word, what do you say? Creek. A creek to yeah. it. Um, so not a twang, but a tweak, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, 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 a creek. And I think that uh, there's freedom there. You mentioned another word earlier on when we talked about Irma, which was somber, at least her take on this song, that, you know, it starts with pianos. It's very soft. It's just her and the pianos and the, yeah. and the drums, I think. So if we take a message from the song, Peace of My Heart, like, you know, take take another piece. You're, you're breaking it. Just just yeah. just take it. Take it, break it, have it. <laughs> I, um, know. I know. What is the what is the um, the result in Irma's offering versus Janice's? What what is the result like? The result of the vocal sort of yeah. tone. Mm -hmm. um, I guess there's like like the way in which sort of we curate pain is one mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. sort of takeaway that I get from it. Like where we find moments of defiance within moments of being sort of utterly unconsolable. Um, that's that's one thing that I've been been thinking mm -hmm. about when I when I try to make sense of, of what I'm supposed to get from this song. But yeah, that's And if we given what you just said that Irma's um, pain is deep, right? It's it's a deep, somber, serious pain. Um, and she's still there. And then with Janice, there's there is pain, but she's the pain is kind of furious, like she's trying to find her way out of it or something. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's a. I mean, both songs have their own sort of, you know, anger mm -hmm. um, for sure, and and sort of that's what what strikes me as most different about the two is how that how that anger is mm -hmm. expressed, and and that obviously sort of it comes down to vocals and it also again i think does come down to sort of electric guitars which mm -hmm. have sort of um you know they have a capacity to express a much different form of anger than you know horn hits do mm -hmm. for example yeah. um i wonder if i should even bring this up but i wonder also if so we're in the 60s this mm -hmm. is 67 we know what the country is going through at the time right um and there's a youthful exuberance in janice's that Irma maybe does not have the the luxury to exhibit, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, a 67 absolutely. 67 is, and you're a kind of a historian as I well, mean, right? Yeah, uh, um, dilettante historian. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is, this is post-Malcolm X. This is right in the midst of what's going on. Um, and then as we approach Genesis, this is the same year that Martin Luther King is assassinated. And it hits different. It does. I mean, I saw a version. Um, I mean, Janis Joplin died two years after the song. Mm -hmm. I saw a performance of it that she was doing where, I mean, it was utter mayhem. Um, but there were, like, people slow dancing on stage to it. And, wow. like, she pulls a woman from the crowd and, like, just sings it directly to the And it was just so different from how I had been thinking. Like, the thought of two people slow dancing on a stage in front of, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people to... Um, Peace of my heart was something I just couldn't quite square with how I was mm -hmm. thinking about the song. But maybe, I mean, that is sort of a luxury to mm -hmm. sort of to be able to treat this song as, you know, a blank canvas, mm -hmm. a, like a blank right. emotional canvas of mm -hmm. sorts. And, and be, you know, and every version I listened to that Janis Joplin did was different. Um, right. Whereas I imagine that wouldn't 
wouldn't have been so much. Like I found one live performance that Irma Franklin did that was was pretty much sort of spot Similar on. To with, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, she she does not have that luxury as her sister did to have a solo career that did you know that broke all the boundaries. Okay, so I want to talk about the fact that our our discussion of Janis Joplin is not simply a black and white thing, right? So it's not simply she's a white artist that's doing a song by a black artist that that had been been previously done by a black artist, because Janis Joplin was very, I think, sincerely influenced by black music. I don't think she took surface elements and did them. I think she spent time studying it. And the reason why I say that, the the thing I've always loved about her is that she loved Bessie Smith, Mm -hmm. right? In fact, um, there's an interesting fact is that she... um, Towards the end of Janis Joplin's life, she was, was able to mark um, Bessie Smith's grave, um, which had been unmarked for like 30 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is unreal. No, I mean, and that's the question with covers, too, especially right. when, you know, it is a white artist covering mm-hmm. sort of a black artist song is, is sort of what sort of what level of engagement with history sort of and culture actually mm-hmm. is happening there. And I guess sort of this is also when, you know, the blues are becoming more electric. And so, I mean, um, I don't think it's sort of gross appropriation on yeah, right. sort of exactly. James Joplin's part, mm-hmm. like where, which is very easy for a mm-hmm. cover song to do, I imagine. And so I've I've used this song in class as well, but in a different way from how you use it. Um, I will bring it up in our discussion of cultural appropriation, mm-hmm. and I'll throw up this Janis Joplin song. I'll throw up um, a song by Macklemore or someone. <laughs> someone. I'll I'll do some Eminem, and I might do. Amy Winehouse, and what's the last, of course, Vanilla Ice. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) And we'll talk about the the different spectrums, uh, the spectrum of um, appropriation. And I think Janis Joplin, every time I've taught this, every year, and I've been doing this for many, many years, and um, students have always said that Janis Joplin feels very compelling, Mm -hmm. you know, that it feels true, it feels... It feels um, as if she's really taken it and made it her own. She's not trying to copy anyone. Right. Um, and so that's that's one thing I love. And, and I think it has something to do with what she gleaned from Bessie Smith, you know, like studying Bessie Smith. And it's definitely her voice is definitely not like Bessie Smith's. Mm-mm. But there's a freedom there that um, Bessie Smith had that she brings to her own interpretation. So as we start... Coming to round this up, I would love for you to um, help us think about how you would rate the two versions of "Peace of My Heart." If we were to put "Peace of My Heart" on a on a spectrum from zero to one hundred, and you divided it up, like who would get the seventy-five percent? And who would get the twenty-five or twenty and eighty or fifty-fifty? So, like, um, uh, which yeah. w- what percentage of my heart does uh, yes. each each version yes. occupy? Which mm-hmm. piece? Um, I mean, it would skew very Irma Franklin. It That's would, amazing. Tell me why. Um, I just I think there's a complexity to sort of the relationship between sort of music tone and lyrics in this song that. Um, I mean, on one level, sort of, it's it's utterly sort of universal. Like, there's, mm-hmm. 
a sort of a, a messiness to it that's much different from the messiness of, of Janis Joplin's that, that I think, um, you know, anybody with a beating heart can relate to. Mm. Um, like there's, there's something about it that I, I just find so universal and at the t- same time entirely, entirely hers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think about Definitely that, feel that, yeah. that line, you're out on the street looking good and you know deep down in your heart that ain't right. You're out on the street The way in which that line sort of is sung by Irma Franklin from this like, like the the observational vantage point mm-hmm. that would sort of you know bring that line into existence is something that like it makes me so deeply sad mm-hmm. that that somebody sort of had that thought and mm-hmm. had this sort of like looking out a window sort mm-hmm. of you know and this is just me yeah. sort of imagining a plot mm-hmm. um, and I don't know why I like that's the line that I love in this song mm-hmm. so much. Um, and it, it's like, like when James Joplin sings it, it doesn't do the same thing as as Irma Franklin, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I can't quite pin down the emotion that's summoned, but um, it's a rough one. You know, those, that line, and then even the first three lines of each, you know, didn't I, you know, yeah. like the, those those questions, and to your point about Irma Franklin, you you know, she's asking, like she's she's searching, she's trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Didn't she do all she could, right, to hold this thing together? Um, and in Janice's version, I'm not sure she wants to hear my answer. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's it's just like keep it going. So I love that idea, the idea of thinking about the the approach to the music, the music making, right, and the lyrics and the connection, the bridge between those two those two things and you're I think you're right I think Irma's is a lot more it's tighter it's more it's more intimate it it seems to interpret the lyrics perhaps in the way the lyrics were but you know it's all in the it's all yeah. in the eyes of the beholder anyway but yeah I mean I is it's there all subjective of, is subjective. there a way that they're supposed to be interpreted I you know, know no I don't I you know, know probably not one way but I, I just like the way she interprets mm-hmm, it uh-huh. um, so so what percentage more. are you going to give it I know you're skewing I know it's skewing um, but it's weightier on the Irma side. Yeah, I mean, let's go 82-18. Um, oh. <laughs> okay, that's good. 82, yeah, 82% uh, of my heart um, beats for Irma Franklin. Oh, that's lovely. 18% for Janis Joplin. Okay, okay, um, fair enough. No offense, Janis Joplin. Um, <laughs> so, interesting, 82 for Irma and 12 for... 18. No, 18. 18. I need, I need to do my You're math. the one making me do math. I know. <laughs> this 100 point scale. 82 and 18. I really appreciate it. I think I would go, if I had to to rate it, I would go, um, gosh, almost 50 50, but I'm going to give Irma 51 and 49 to Janice. I feel like I'm shortchanging Janice Joplin now. No, it's um, okay. You already, yeah. you already. It's my honest answer. Exactly. You can't take it back. Um, so, so, what I absolutely love about Janis Joplin, which is why I'm giving her the the 49, mm-hmm. is that she has this ability to take a song and make us believe that she wrote it, mm-hmm. that she was the only one who did it, right? Um, and I find that to be something not all artists can do. Um, and I love it when artists can, can do that. I think Aretha Franklin is also someone that'll take someone's song like she took respect and we forgot about Otis Redding right 
I would have put those in reverse order. Um, oh, really? Yeah, That's totally. interesting. Um, if you asked sort of 20 people on the street, uh, is this a Janis Joplin, so like a Janis Joplin mm -hmm. original, do you think 19 would say yes? Yes. Okay. Yeah, me too. Not only this one, but this one and um, me and Bobby McGee. You know, I think both of those songs are covers, and she does them in, she just takes it and makes it her own. So, Thomas Kane, thank you so much for visiting us You're on Cover welcome. Story. Um, I hope that our audience comes back and listens to our next conversation about a great song with two great covers. Thank you. That's this week's episode of Cover Story with Stephanie Shanikan. I'm Stephanie Shanikan. Next time, we're looking at the song Yesterday. My good, close friend, Kiana Irvin, and I will debate the question, John Lennon versus Donny Hathaway. Cover Story with Stephanie Shanikan is produced by Janet Saidi, Christopher Husted, Fernando Naro, Raymond Tungakar, and Ryan Famuliner, and me, Stephanie Shanikan. You can find more about this podcast on Twitter at KBIA and at Vox Mag, also in the current issue of Vox Magazine. See you next time.